Hi everyone, this podcast is going to touch on a topic of the day, which is the separation of church and state. If you've been following the news over recent days, weeks and months, there's a whole lot of talk about it. There has to be a separation of church and state. And basically, I think it's a very, very misunderstood uh, concept. In fact, I gave a lecture uh, earlier this year on this topic, and often one I touch on, it's something that I would I suppose, argue, have a little bit of expertise in. Uh, But it's a completely misunderstood uh, concept. So this podcast is going to explore what the separation of church and state actually means, and it's going to touch on three points in particular. Uh, The separation of church and state is very narrowly defined, actually, um, and it's something which goes both ways. The separation is not just from one party to the other, it goes both ways, and I'll, of course, elaborate on that. Uh, The second is actually the phrase, the separation of church and state, is being deployed more often than not now to simply uh, exclude uh, certain viewpoints. Uh, And often viewpoints in what are highly controversial areas of of thought. Um, And so that should alarm listeners. Uh, Anything which is attempting to censor, shut down or limit speech should should alarm you. Um, So as I say, the expression, the separation of church and state, has been, I think, deliberately uh, misused. And the third point is just to touch on a little bit of, of how we got here, how we got to this point of the phrase and what it actually means, what's the history, because that helps us understand what we want to avoid now and into the future. Um, and that'll, be, that'll make more sense as I go through this. So to the first point, what does it even mean uh, to talk about the separation of church and state? Well, it's really, really simple, in fact. Uh, The church is not to run the state or the government, but nor is the government to run the church. That's what it means. Pretty simple, actually. Um, You don't even have to overcook it. That's what it means. And by the way, you could apply church to any other structure, temple, mosque, synagogue. It's not exclusive to a Christian concept, although it has, as a concept, more developed out of the the Western Judeo-Christian and political world. So that's what the separation of church and state literally and actually means. The church should not run the state or government, and the government and the state should not be running the church. And there's two good countries that illustrate this. Um, Iran, for example, uh, the clerics there, the Islamic clerics, the church, if you will, runs the state. It's a theocracy. Okay, The corollary, the flip side is communist China. The state runs the churches. There's underground churches, there's underground uh, belief systems, but actually those that are above ground, those that are visible, they are run by the state. Uh, neither of those examples are good. Um, sorry, they're good examples, but they're not good in themselves. Uh, and they are the antithesis of that phrase, the separation of church and state. So here in New Zealand, um, and I hope it goes without saying, but by and large, the government does not run the churches, and the uh, churches here do not run the state. That's what it means. What it does not mean is that the churches or the mosques, the synagogues or other traditions have no say into the public or the state or the governmental sphere. Okay, that's where it gets deliberately uh, misunderstood and I would suggest misconstrued. Um, The separation of church and state does not mean that the churches or other belief systems cannot speak into government, into parliament, into politics. In the same way that we'd expect that actually the state, the government, 
politicians, MPs, will have thoughts and views which speak, if you will, into the churches, into the different belief systems. Um, what you are seeing, however, is an a attempt, um, badly constructed, but unfortunately too quickly accepted by people, that this separation means that actually government should have nothing to do with religion and religion should have nothing to do with government. It actually could have a, a radical secularism in itself. Um, and we'll get to that in the second point of how it's been misused to exclude ideas. But again, it's really just to stress to listeners, the separation really comes about, the concept of the separation is about who runs each grouping, church and state. And the real irony that needs to be drawn out, of course, is that this separation cuts both ways. Let's say that again. It cuts both ways. The state should not run the churches, and the churches should not run the state. And those who are running about at the moment crying out this phrase are very much trying to, as I say, oh, the church should have no say, should have nothing to do with government, with, without picking up the ultimate irony at the moment, which is that the state, the government in this country, is actually, in effect, having an enormous say over the church. It's actually dictating to the churches and other religious groups how they practice their religions. Last year, they effectively closed them down. That The separation, if you will, between the church and the state broke down in the COVID pandemic because the state began to interfere, and you can debate whether it's right or wrong, but the, the, the simple fact remains that the state interfered directly in the practice of religion in this country. The separation of church and state collapsed last year. And not because the churches were involved with the state. Let's be really clear. It was the state involving itself in the churches. And that continues today. The churches have been directly told by the state, by the government, how, when, uh, they can operate. So if you want to argue, as some will try to do, the importance of the separation of church and state, um, they may want to bear in mind, as I say, it cuts both ways. And the best illustrations of how it's gone wrong, how the separation is not occurring, is because the state is interfering with the churches. So there's that point. Uh, the second is ultimately the phrase, and as I say, over weeks and months it's often been deployed to simply shut down alternative uh, viewpoints or those viewpoints which could be deemed religious in nature. That in itself should be a concern to people. Um, more ideas should be in the public realm. In fact, in my viewpoint, all ideas, religious, non-religious, should be in the public realm and are debatable. That's actually how a healthy society works. And again, I really need to stress the separation of church and state has nothing to do with the discussion of ideas. You know, religious believers, non-believers are more than welcome to discuss their different ideas and viewpoints. Uh, those who often push the, oh, there has to be a separation of church and state, are just simply trying to avoid difficult debates and topics, which is why the phrase separation of church and state is more often deployed at people when we're discussing difficult ethical issues. So abortion, euthanasia, prostitution, drug use, and so forth, uh, it's used to deliberately force out a particular viewpoint. Um, and I think it's really important to note as well, most of those viewpoints are more philosophical than they are uh, religious. Um, it's just that because at times a lot of the, if you will, philosophical points, again, the nature of human life, um, are accepted by pretty much all the major religions. 
people say, oh, it's just a religious viewpoint. Well, well, no, it's not. Um, as someone who's a philosopher and, and a theologian, I can, I can tell you that a lot of theological points are really just grounded in, in the, uh, philosophy. In other words, you could argue a lot of points, particularly the ethical ones, without any reference to any religious tradition. But there is a deliberate attempt, unfortunately, in public discourse at the moment, to exclude anything that might even have a hint of a religious viewpoint. And that's just purely wrong. Um, you've heard me say it many, many times before. Um, we need more ideas. And if your counter view is better than mine, uh, well, then you should be able to argue it. Just debate the debate the topic, show why the argument is wrong, but those using the or misusing the separation of church and state argument is simply just trying to exclude people. Oh no, don't want to debate your topic, don't want to discuss the merits or otherwise, I just want to deem you uh, religious and therefore excluded. Uh, and that's uh, completely wrong. The other element of course is that they don't exclude other viewpoints which have all the hallmarks of religious views anyway, without being a religion. And I'll just use Marxism as the classic case, because actually Marxism is, in effect, um, a counter-religion. It's quite an antithesis to religion and being religious in its own nature, an absolute belief system. Um, it's something I often point out when I debate this topic in public. People say, oh, well, there should be the a separation of church and state, and people with religious views should have no say, no say in the public life of the country. And I go, well, what about the Marxists and the, the communists then, the Leninists and the, the Maoists, the Gramskyites and others? I mean, that's a series of viewpoints, a series of beliefs. Why is that allowed to be debated openly and happily in, in public? Um, of course, they have no real answer to that. Um, but what it does is simply point to how there's a deliberate attempt to exclude certain Viewpoints. In other words, for those who misuse the separation of church and state, they are more than happy, more than willing to have their viewpoint, their belief structures, their faith in inverted commas, front and present. They just want to exclude anybody else's. And that's not how the public domain works. All ideas are welcome, regardless of where they come from, actually. And that's, again, the whole point. The separation of church and state has nothing to do with the debating of different viewpoints. It just says... The bishops, the imams, uh, the high priests, they should not be running the country. And by the way, the prime minister should not be running the churches. It's that simple. Uh, the third point, of course, is around the, the history. And look, this is not going to be a long, boring uh, history lesson. But the, the idea of the separation of church and state came out of, of well, basically, took out of Western uh, medieval Europe. The two were fused the state and the church, and it got really, really ugly. It got very violent, unfortunately, particularly during the times of the Reformation when actually different competing religious traditions with the backing and the power of the state uh, beat each other to a pulp. Uh, and we learned, particularly as we moved through the Enlightenment, that actually separating out the governing powers was really, really prudent. And then you had philosophers like John Locke who basically said, you know, matters of the conscience, matters of the heart, matters of the spirit, if you will, are not the area that government should be operating in. In fact, what, what has government got to say? So actually the great philosophers like Locke started with more about the government keeping out of individuals' lives, keeping out of individuals' faith lives. So the separation actually was more about keeping government away from matters spiritual uh, than the other way round, ironically. 
Um, and so that's probably why I wanted to quickly touch on the history element, because what we are seeing more recently is a, a state taking far more control, uh, far more interest uh, in the religious dimension of people's lives, and as I mentioned a bit earlier, is directly interfering with the rights of uh, religious believers at the moment. Um, so really important elements to uh, pick up on. I hope that hasn't been too uh, in-depth and, and, and academic. I've tried to keep it relatively light, but I think it's one of those phrases that's used very often now uh, in New Zealand political speak, uh, the separation of church and state. But as I say, first and foremost, it's misunderstood. It refers pretty much only to the governance of each. And as I keep saying, the church does not govern the state, but nor should the state govern the churches. The next point is that it's often used as a phrase to shut down discussion. It's a deliberate attempt to stop certain viewpoints, often on some of the most fundamental questions of what it means to be human, to enter the debating realm. Um, and it shows, I would suggest to you, as you often hear me say, it shows weakness in those who use it because they first and foremost do not understand. They themselves are bringing a series of beliefs in. They may not be Islamic, Jewish, Christian, um, Taoist, um, but they are bringing their own beliefs. They are believing their own, bringing rather their own faith. Um, they're just blind to that. And furthermore, even if they're blind to their own faith, their own beliefs they're bringing, be it Marxist, secularist or whatever, they're clearly not confident in their own views because they're unwilling to even debate with anyone else. They're just trying to exclude. And the third point was a simple one, is that we've got to this point over time to understand that actually um, there should be a little bit of separation in the governance space. It was a, a series of understandings, um, hard won, uh, but very, very clearly uh, and I would suggest you very narrowly defined. So anyway, I just thought we'd touch on uh, those themes. I uh, appreciate you guys tuning in.